Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. From creating a thoughtful space that puts beer and food front and center to one of the newest frontiers in adult beverages, THC and CBD, Scott Selix of Lua Brewing is here to talk about his growing brewery and the evolution of hospitality. First, please go visit allaboutbeer.com. There you can find original articles, reviews, news, insights, and podcasts. You can listen to shows like Beer Travelers, Brewer to Brewer, and the All About Beer podcast simply by searching All About Beer wherever you listen to shows. This show and all of the work we do, it's supported by you. Please go visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. A few bucks goes a long way to fund writers, photographers, creators, and editors. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising on this show, please email info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, you know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere, online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Take customers from picking it out to picking it up. Shopify syncs in-store inventory with Google, so when local customers search for that thing that they want that you have, bam, you're there. Demand meets supply. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash drinkbeer. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash drinkbeer to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash drinkbeer. My run of Iowa shows continues, this time with Scott Selux of Lua Brewing. He is co-founder of Lua Brewing in Des Moines, as well as Lua's sister company, Climbing Kites, a THC sparkling water brand. He also runs Heifer Hospitality, a company based in Des Moines, which just opened a new restaurant called Either Or, where this episode was recorded. Scott was the president of the Iowa Brewers Guild from 2019 to 2023. Here's our conversation. As I'm traveling around, I'm talking to a lot of folks, and there seems to be a lot of worry uh, within the four walls that breweries have. And they're saying, you know, it's it's been the toughest uh, since COVID this past year. Um, they're, they're worried about competition. They're worried about staffing. They're worried about um, just keeping the lights on. And that's not everybody, but it, 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 it's a lot of folks. So then I walk in here which is an expansion restaurant, a sister restaurant to your brewery. It's, what, mid-afternoon on a Thursday. It's fairly busy for a restaurant, even with construction outside. Um, what are you all doing right that leads to one expansion and two butts and seats? Yeah. Um, it's tough for us, too, uh, but... I I think what's helped us be successful is just staying true to ourselves. We we make decisions based on what we believe, what we're passionate about, what makes better quality things. And so far it's worked. Um, most of our decisions, it might not be the most business smart thing, are, are backwards. We do what we want to do and then we say, can we charge enough to make money on that? And Fortunately, most of the time we can, not all of the time. We've, we've made some beers where we looked at the cost of it and we said, all right, people aren't going to pay $13 for a 10-ounce pour of this double IPA that we, we threw no. money into. Yeah. But, um, you know, they'll pay nine and a half and we learned a lot and we'll, we'll get them on the next one. So, you know, it's a, it's a, we've got a really great team. Is a, we've got a great chef. We've got a great head brewer. Um, my wife does all the design, which is huge. I think 
one of the things often overlooked in in breweries and in beer in particular is the space that people drink it in. Yeah. It becomes a thing where after the fact you say, hey, we should make our space look good, but you're too far into it. The One of the first things we do is to, to say, how do we draw people to the space? If the beer is terrible and the food's terrible and the service is terrible, that could be part of the charm for for yeah. certain places, it, yeah. you know. But it, how do it we looks good on a T-shirt? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we just, you know, we, like I said, we stay true to ourselves and we try to do what we think is cool, and hopefully other people think it is, and that's worked for us so far. So, when you were thinking about either or the restaurant that we're sitting in right now, and how it relates to Lua, was it? You're calling it a sister restaurant or a companion restaurant, but um, why not just do a second Lua location? It's got the brand recognition in town. It's got a great reputation. Why do a different concept? Yeah. I take you back into about six months of uh, ownership meetings uh, to dive into that whole topic. But it really came down to to two big things. Uh, The first was this location is only about a mile away from the original Lua spot. So did we think that, that we could do a second Lua and have it be successful? We did, but we thought that if we made them complement each other more than compete with each other, that we would do better. So that was the first big consideration was, can we use either or to tell more people about Lua and then use Lua to tell more people about either or and have people go to both? Yeah. And so far, that's worked really well. Um, And then the second reason was we always knew we'd make great beer. When we started Lua, we didn't have any idea we would hire a Michelin-starred chef who was moving back from San Francisco. And the kitchen there was just not set up for what he could do. He did a great job in the three years that he was there full-time. Now he's kind of our our executive chef of our entire organization, but the kitchen here was more suited to what he can do and what his team can do. So there was a lot, but it really just came down to um, the space, the team and uh, the location. When you're talking about using here to promote Lua and vice versa, um, I guess there needs to be some understanding, like some touch points that both have but then probably also some differentiating points as well so that you can cast a wider net, right? I mean, that's been beer's big problem on the craft space of it's a small pool of customers that just kind of keep going to the same places. So how do you branch out into new folks as well? Is that, yeah. is that fair? Is that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly right. And we... At, at Lua, we definitely draw the beer nerds. We draw the people who are there for the special releases and the big beers. But in having good food and in curating a good space, we draw other people too. You'll go in, we have bachelor parties, uh, or excuse me, bachelorette parties that come in often. Um, we get we get a lot of what would not typically be considered your core demographic. Yeah. Uh, and if you come in here at, to either or, it's like a 60s, 70s retro vibe. It's got an acre of patio space. It's got a children's playscape. Yeah, it's it's got like a tiki vibe to it, Like, but yeah. it's also sort of like what I think of as like old school Chinese restaurant kind of thing. There's bamboo accents or wicker accents and yep, just kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they, I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Yeah, it goes back to that, 
you know, my wife, she did all the design and she just picks what she likes. Um, and she's got really good taste. And so we knew that if we, if we did what we, what we liked and what was true to us, it would work out. And so far it has. Yeah. It's a, but it's a much, much, much different space than Lua for sure. Yeah. So I'm looking at this list, right? And we're, we're, we're drinking your, your pills right now, um, which is delightful. But the, there are a couple of Lua beers on here, and then you have some other Iowa craft on here, and then really cool things like Sierra Pale, which is really nice to see. Uh, the Beerstadt Hellas, which is yeah, in del- Iowa. delightful. Yeah, but then things like, you know, like the Duchess and Orval, Old Rasputin, and then High Life Bushlight Ham's Modelo. Um, I, it, it, I have such a hard time sort of reconciling some of that of the way that craft breweries have been for so long of like, we got to fight the big guys. We got to go for all of that. Or, you know, we got to keep it at, we got to keep it at home kind of thing. And having your beers that you all have made mixed in with not only classic craft and, you know, like well sought after, but then also just, you know, high life. Um, I don't know if I fully have a question except for like, why? Yeah. When I hear you put it like that, it makes me wonder why too. Um, John Hall, business killer. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that goes back to um, most of our draft list. We all had some input on it, but Zach, our head brewer, sort of put the bones together and it just came down to what do we want to drink? What do we like? What do we think we should provide to people in our space? And we put the beers on there that we we either really like or had some uh, strong presence in our growth in beer. And so there's some weird ones on there, or weird combinations. Like you said, you can get Duchess or you can get hams. Um, but And I, honestly, I've been in the mood on any given night for both of those yeah, beers. I, that's what we think. Uh, there's a space for both of them, right? So, yeah, you know, there's... Not always a huge grandiose plan with how we do things. Just does this feel like the right decision? And are we staying true to our commitment to be as good as we can at whatever it is we're doing? And that's it. Sometimes it results in sort of absurd uh, solutions, but they work for us. Does this sort of put us into a new era of craft brewery ownership where that whole thought of David versus Goliath that existed for a long time. Is that thinking over or should it be over? I'm not sure if it should be over. I think we still subscribe to it in a lot of ways. Um, there's always, we sh- we're always, I'm, I, I, I'm on the board of the Brewers Guild here in Iowa. I was president of it for quite a few years, and there's always the fight to grow the pie for craft beer. Yeah, um, which it really hasn't in the last. Yeah, it hasn't. 15 yeah, years. it's yeah. been a. It's you know we wonder if we didn't make that fight, would it have gone down, or and or is are people actually fighting still? But we still feel that to try to grow the pie, but we also, as a business, you know, with two sides of it as a business. As a business, we try to um, to give our customers both what they want, but also what we think they should want. And sometimes that's pure craft beer, and sometimes it's uh, other options. Yeah. Are the education 
conversations, are they still able to happen? Like if you see somebody who comes in regularly who's drinking hams, right? Which is perfectly fine beer. You know, where you start maybe having the conversation towards, you know, have you tried Finest? Have you tried something else that we have that is similar, but also we've, that we've put our hard work into? Like, do those conversations still happen? Or is it harder to have those conversations these days? I know for us, we still have them. We, we essentially have, a, you know, there's some, uh, some similar interest uh, with us and Lewis. So anytime someone orders a beer that's, that's a domestic or, or a non-local beer, yeah. we immediately say, here's your hams, but try the finest as well. Uh, so they're still happening here. They are a little harder. I think there was a really, there was a lot of excitement around craft beer in 2010 and 2015, and customers were like, ooh, this is exotic and cool, and I want to drink that. And now it's a little harder where they say, I, I know what craft beer is. I don't need you to shove it in my face. Um, right. And, and that makes it harder. Um, but there's still plenty. There's craft beer is an arc. You know, I am, we are at one place in the arc of, you start with your interest in a wheat beer and maybe it was Blue Moon. Um, and then you start, you work your way up and you want as much flavor as you can get. And then <laughs> most people start to work their way back down to a balanced beer. That's just the typical arc. Yeah. Uh, but people are at every stage of that arc all of the time. And, we're a little bit jaded on the downswing, I think. Um, but to try to remember that there are people that come in here, this is not a craft beer brewery. We serve a lot of craft beer here. Yeah. Um, craft beer outsells domestics significantly. Um, but there's a ton of people that come in here that have never had craft beer still. So try to, to, to forcefully remind ourselves that our our mindset it's just like being a parent in a lot of ways i back like to see my kids perspective on things and remember oh yeah I, you know that was my perspective at one point too um you know just to put yourself back in other people's shoes so there's a lot of growth that can happen in craft beer um yeah yeah um but there's also something to be said about meeting customers where they want to be and 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 i've been thinking a lot about that these days of you know, when you see some of the larger national trends, right, of um, the seltzers or Modelo's rise and some of these other things, for beverage producers, like, I, I, I want to see innovation in this space, but it's also, well, hell, if everybody wants to be drinking Mexican lagers right now, shouldn't we try to find a way to make a really good Mexican lager? Yeah, that's the that's the the big debate we have all the time within ourselves one of our core values is to push boundaries and to give people what they don't want but tell them this is what you should be drinking okay but at the same time as business people we look at it and we say if we go too far in that endeavor we're going to turn everybody off and there are times like now with a mexican lager that you just need to give people what they want yeah sometimes it's very simple so it's a for us it's a constant balancing of pushing the envelope versus um, falling into a more comfortable place for people. Yeah. So pushing boundaries. Um, last night I was at a, 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 a brewery here in Iowa uh, and on their menu they had uh, their house beers, some guest beers, um, their soda choices, uh, 
a couple of other things that I recognized, hard seltzers, things. And then they had uh, climbing kites. And it's the only two words that I did not understand on that entire board that they had. So I, I asked the bartender, I was like, what, what is that? Figuring like it was going to be, you know, some sort of like local soda or, or, or something that I wasn't aware of. He's like, oh, it's the, it's the CBD, it's the THC drink. And I was like, 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 like hemp flavor? He's like, no, 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 it's got the actual, and I was like, oh, okay. And then they said that you all made it, and now I'm seeing it here uh, on your menu in front of me. Tell me about Climbing Kites. Yeah, Climbing Kites is our THC and CBD-infused sparkling water. We, we started the company, it's its own company. We, the, the owners of Lua started it. Um, it's its own company, but it's it's really everyone knows it as as a product of Lua and and now I, I presume maybe you were at Big Grove last night. I was not. No, somewhere else. Yeah, even. yeah. Uh, but we now Big Grove, uh, where I where I used to brew, um, they're involved as well. We started it. Um, we looked at. I think that's the innovation part of it. We're seeing a lot less people drinking, whether that day or that week or not at all. Yeah, and. It's great to provide an NA beer or a sparkling water, but if you can provide them with something that makes them feel like they can participate in our drinking culture, yeah, because we tailgating or pool parties or whatever, you, you have a drink in your hand. Right now, me and you are yeah. sitting here on the podcast drinking a beer. Right, as you um, do, yeah. Yeah, and so if you can let... That, that was us looking at it and saying, how do we give them something where they can participate in how we've structured our culture, uh, our entertainment culture. Uh, they can come into Lua and they can have something that feels... Uh, like like they're included like we put thought into what they wanted and give them a good option and so climbing kites arose from that it is sparkling water it's similar in flavor to uh, white claw or LaCroix more okay. like LaCroix okay uh, and then we infuse it with cannabis derived THC and CBD Iowa is still a weed is illegal state right is illegal and so we use hemp for that there's a lot of misnomers about what hemp is people think hemp is this ropey venous plant right yeah hemp is the same plant as marijuana it's just a legal distinction between hemp and marijuana so it's the same compounds so people does it get you high yeah it does if you drink enough we designed it more as a social beverage you can drink one or two at the bar okay but uh and and get home on your own steam yeah yeah yeah. well yes not after Legally, once you've had any amount of marijuana in Iowa, you can't drive, uh, okay. or any amount of THC. Well, I still mean just like, or just like ordering the rideshare. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're not. It's not going to put you, you can in the still couch. Still see your screen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it. You know, Lua has been. Um, we we sell a lot of. We're going to sell. We sell a lot of Lua beer. We're going to sell about five times as much climbing kites this year as Lua. So wow. it's really taken off for us. So. I am inexperienced when it comes to THC and CBD. Me too. Um, like, like wildly so. Um, but I'm, I'm reading here, and so the orange mango uh, is for the new and the inexperienced. So if I was, and then from there it goes up to the, uh, for the familiar and comfy, there's two of those, and then not for inexperienced users, uh, the mixed berry, which has 10 milligrams of THC and 20 uh, milligrams of CBD in it. But talk to me about that progression and when you're drinking these, like I, I, I know after three Pilsners how I'm going to feel. How, how does one feel after an orange mango or 
for the familiar for the you know the peach prickly pear or the pineapple passion fruit like how, how does that hit like how do they hit different than beer yeah I've, now I've got a goal of getting John Hall high in Des Moines <laughs> in his hotel room uh, you're not the, you're not the first person who's tried to get me high in yeah. Des Moines by the way yeah perfect yeah. Uh, <laughs> no we that's part of the part of the appeal I think of these products and, and of where the the cannabis industry is going in general is if you if you load up a bowl and you smoke the whole thing you might not know exactly how you're going to feel it you might it might be really good weed it might be not so good weed these are you know that's just two and a half milligrams of thc yeah that's exactly what you're going to get um so the first time you drank a pilsner you might not have known how that would affect you or sure. three of those and i think that's true with this there's a little bit of a learning curve but they are similar so um the two, the two and a half milligram, just like a beer impacts everybody differently, but it will impact you similarly each time you drink it. And so you can really curate your drinking experience to exactly what you want. You know very quickly. I'm not much of a THC user. I'm yeah. more of one now because we own Climbing Kites. Sure. Um, and I really enjoy a light THC buzz. If I get too much, I'm one of those people that gets anxiety. Uh, okay. I, I get paranoia. Um so I know exactly for me, it's between two and a half and five milligrams is my sweet spot. Okay. And I can drink either one or two of the orange mango and be fine. Um, there are, you know, there's the 10 milligram mixed berry. Yeah. These, these are a little, because they're water soluble THC and there's carbonation, they hit a little harder and quicker than a gummy. But for the most part, you know, you know, 10 milligrams, um, you know, you know how that's going to hit you. And so... There's, there's a predictability of this that makes it a really good, we call it a social beverage and we think that's what it is. Um, you can, I can drink one of these and still socialize. I cannot take even one hit out of a, 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 of a, a bowl of a flower and yeah. still function. It's just, it's not for me. And I know that. And so, um, you know, we, we get, a, we're turning a lot of people onto cannabis that wouldn't, you know, you don't want to go to your drug dealer and like my mom for instance she's not going out and looking for marijuana she's not going into um a corner store and trying to find a loophole to get a thc vape pen or, or whatever it is okay but she'll drink one of these because it's like a Lacroix or like a white claw and she'll try it and then she comes back the next day and says you know my arthritis is gone or i slept so good last night or it really helps with my anxiety huh. um we can't make any of those medical claims so no <laughs> I'm not making them, but uh, this is just, this is just the uh, customer reviews. This is customer uh, just passing on reviews. Um, so, where does it fit in then with other drinks? Because if I'm out and I'm hanging out with brewers or I'm hanging out with friends or whatever, at some point during the night, depending on who I'm with, if we've had a couple of beers, it's, you know, well, should we, should we stop off for a cocktail somewhere? It's like, oh, okay. Or sometimes, like, we're having wine with dinner, you know? So then, like, I kind of figure out, like, where alcohol is, like, how bad my day is going to be the next day. But when, for the inexperienced, where do, like, climbing, where does that fit in? Like, should you just be drinking this or are people then having beer like I, again i'm not asking you to make medical claims but i'm trying to figure out like yeah 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 it fits in differently for everyone really uh some people will will mix they'll have one of these and then a beer and then another one of these and another beer 
Uh, some people will wait till they get home after a night at the bars and drink one before going to bed. Some people will say, I don't mix them at all. Right. So it really just depends on the person. Just like, um, you know, some people like beer, some people like liquor, some people like wine, some people like THC. For me, it's a really a, a no-mix zone. I, if yeah. I'm drinking alcohol, it does not do well for me to add THC to the mix. So I don't. Uh, but for other people, they, they, they do. And I think what we say is, is curate your own experience as long as you're responsible. Be okay. a responsible citizen and adult. Yeah. And we've seen uh, that in Iowa and in, in other places where this is legal, it's, it's been that way. More in a moment, but first this message. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a <clears throat> real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify's sleek, reliable POS hardware takes every major payment method and looks fabulous at the same time. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash drink beer. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash drink beer to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash drink beer. And now back to my conversation with Scott Selix of Lua Brewing. All right. I want to get back to climbing kites just a little bit because I'm curious about the process and I, I don't know how much you can talk about it, but like, I understand how beer is made, and I think most people listening to the show do. Hard seltzer, uh, I think most people kind of understand, and you know the good ones go through like really rigorous processes to get it crystal clear and and and, and all of that. Um, what do you have to take into account to make a CBD THC beverage? Yeah, there's there's a lot of legal issues in a sure. state where marijuana is still illegal, and we can make this from hemp. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of legal considerations, but it's it's really in in a lot of ways it's much simpler than any of those things because we're not fermenting anything. We are concentrating THC and CBD from cannabis. We're making a good flavored sparkling water and yeah. then adding it back. So essentially, we are just mixing it. It's okay. about like making soda. Okay. Yeah. Instead of adding sugar, we're adding. THC and CBD. Yeah. Uh, that's that's about how it goes. I mean, it sounds like it sounds simple. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's not, but. Yeah, there's more complex parts to it. You, you have to extract the THC and the CBD. You have to make those compounds. They're naturally oil soluble. You have to make them water soluble. So they'll go into solution. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's. Brewers, craft brewers, if we're one thing, we're uh, resourceful. We're uh, <laughs> that's a you know we'll we'll figure out a way, right? Yeah. And for like you said earlier, it's really hard times in craft beer. Yeah. And if you can't adapt and innovate, you're it's going to be a lot harder to survive. So for us, it was uh, what looked like a really cool thing to serve in our tap room, and then grew as a brand to a lot bigger thing than just a, a Lua tap room yeah. item. Um. Be, so there's no alcohol in it then. So I mean, it, you need to be doing like the pasteurization if you're packaging. You really need to be doing, like, you you don't want anything growing in there. 
Yeah, that's right. But like, like there's food also safety protocols. Yeah. Yes, there's also no fermentables in what we make. There's no sugar. It is soda water. So yes, on all of that to be safe, food safe. Okay. And you also have to be licensed from a food perspective because it's no longer beer is a, an exception to all the food laws. You don't have to have a food production license. I know Iowa's laws. I don't know other states. I assume they somewhat mirror Iowa's laws where you can you don't have to follow every all the stringent food production uh, practices. Yeah. Because beer is its own thing. It's been around for thousands of years. But when you go into the space where there's not alcohol and fermenting and brewing involved, you do have to follow all of those things. So there's a lot of like it goes back to the the, the legality and the uh, you know, just the process. Um, so there's a lot of that that goes into it. Um, what about distribution? Are there hurdles? Um, there's, yes, that we've run into a lot of hurdles, <laughs> mainly that there's no one willing to distribute it yeah. for fear of uh, that, you know, I, I guess I don't know what the right way to say it is, fear of eventually someone saying, we're closing this this uh, avenue, or we're yeah. Um, but as far as uh, legal, legally, now we can send it through the mail. We s- we ship to forty two states. This is a plug for climbing kites. If you're listening to this, <laughs> we will send you climbing kites through the mail to your front doorstep, and you can have a uh, legal high in your state. I'm gonna send you the uh, the sponsorship invoice for that one. Perfect. But, uh, that's <laughs> that's incredible, though. But that, that, but now that adds a whole other dimension to your to your business of shipping and logistics as well. Yeah, some things we didn't anticipate when we launched a tap room THC seltzer, uh, logistics, uh, meeting demand, all of those things. Uh, a lot of things we didn't consider. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it, but it's doing gangbusters at this point. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and we're we're. You know, we're, we're upping production all the time, trying to keep meeting demand and um, just trying to get the word out that this product is there for people. Uh, so, yeah, it's doing well. At, at some point, because, I mean, it seems like you all are running the, you know, the smart business, but it does it start to encroach on the beer side of things or are they are they still coexisting fairly well? Yeah, I think it. I think it is encroaching on the beer side okay. of things. Because I, I wonder what this means for like beer long term, and not just for you all, but just in general. Yeah, and that's what we saw. Is we saw, we saw this encroaching on beer, and we said we can either sit back and lament that it's happening, or we can make a better product that people want to to drink. And we went out and and did it, and it's been really successful. So I I don't know that it's a existential threat to beer i think it's an alternative for people and what we see which is really cool is that group of four that's going out where one person doesn't drink they'll choose lua or they'll choose either or because one of the people in their group can participate yeah and so we get that whole group of four coming in because one of them doesn't drink or maybe we get the whole group of four and none of them drink but they come in and that's that's happened and one of two uh there's a couple that comes in that runs a festival here in town and they one of them doesn't drink one does they love lua beer uh, one loves lua beer one loves climbing kites yeah and 
not only did we are, do we have them as regular customers now, but we were invited for Climbing Kites to port this festival that they run because of that. So it's opened a lot of doors to us into new communities, to new outside just beer. Um, so we're drinking this West Coast IPA um, that, that, that you poured for us on the break um, that's coming from Field Day, which then you casually mentioned is your brother's brewery as well. What is it about your family and, and owning breweries? Like, yeah. where, do, where does that come from? Well, we came from opposite sides. Um, I came from beer. I was a brewer, wanted to start a brewery, and, and did. And now, ironically, I not ironically, I, I suppose, uh, unfortunately, I, I do absolutely zero brewing. Zach is our head brewer. He does everything in there and, and oversees it with James and Luke and Addo and Caleb. Um, I came from beer. He came from restaurants. He's Okay. Field Day is his fourth restaurant, um, and he connected with a really great brewer named Alec, who I've known for uh, probably a decade now. So he came from the restaurant side. He's a really great restaurant owner, and they started Field Day. I'm glad you mentioned it. I love their beer. I think they're one of those breweries. There's so many of them now. You know, it's, have you heard of this brewery? You have to know this brewery, but they're one of those that you should know. They they. Their innovation, they do all of the beers people want, fruit sours, hazy IPAs, but they do so many really, really well-made lagers. They, this is a West Coast IPA called Bromance that I think is incredibly well-executed. So they're a great brewery, and it's my brother's, so of course I'm going to pedal it, but for the most part I'm pedaling it because it's really, really good beer. It's fun when you can find that. Uh, these days because I, I you're right there's all these you know folks come up to me all the time and it's like oh have you tried so and so and it's just there's 10,000 breweries like I just I can't I can't keep up anymore but when like when you hear about somebody being passionate and family aside like it's I don't know it, it gives me like a little bit of faith to go you know keep seeking out new places there's always yeah there's always new places where it's seeking out I'm with you it, it becomes uh, it's a little bit redundant hearing about the next great brewery every week. And I think that's the more existential threat to our industry is how do you differentiate? How do you attract customers? How, and yeah, even, even opening Lewis Young, Lewis only been around four years. In that four years has really been where craft beer changed more than anything. So we were, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have opened when we did. Yeah. But do you feel that when people walk into Lua, or I, I'm going to say here as well, but let's let's just talk about Lua for a minute, that it is the representation of what you want the brewery to be? As best as we can make that space in that beer, yeah, it is. I think we that's what's made Lua successful is we just pour our heart into everything we do. We don't ever cut corners, and there's a lot of breweries out there that do the same, and they've made a name too. Um, but it's opened so many doors for us to get people in and to get us out into the, you know, we're, we're a small little brewery in Des Moines that, you know, I was just about a month ago in Tokyo for a beer festival, which was incredible. And I don't know how we got there, but the only thing I can say is we stayed true to ourselves and we made the beer we wanted to drink and that we thought other people want should want to drink. Yeah. So I dig it. Um, I've been asking folks on the show for a while now, the green door question. 
which is based on the show The Good Place. And on the final season, you can walk through a green door uh, and be anywhere doing whatever you wanted to do. So if we had a green door on our plane of existence and this conversation ended and you could walk through it and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you want to be drinking? That's a, a great question. I knew it was coming too. And I thought <laughs> about it a little bit. Um, I think, and I had two answers, I suppose. The first is I would, I would walk through it and I'd go to Hill Farmstead in Vermont. I think the setting, I've never been there. The okay. setting, the beer, everything looks so idyllic. Uh, and it would just be my wife and I. Um, we've wanted to go together for so long and eventually we'll make it there. Um, the other answer would be uh, you know, events that I've, I've been able to go to Copenhagen for a beer festival and you get to be around other brewers for um, for three, four days, learn, make friends. So I'd say I'd, I'd, I'd end up at uh, McKellar Victoria Grad uh, in Vesterbro in Copenhagen and uh, it would be with everybody that goes to NBCC. And it's it doesn't have to be that setting, but that just happens to be a setting whether it's stateside or international where um, brewers get together, collaborate, and we really reflect on how lucky we are to be in an industry that it's challenging, it's hard, it's not always profitable, but we love and we're passionate and we all chose to do what we wanted to do rather than um, what was easy. So those are the two places. I like that. Um, I usually ended there, but you... you, you piqued my interest on one thing of talking about education and where you when you get together and you talk about education with with other brewers where is your education leading you right now and where would you like to see more education focused in the industry right now either among people in the industry but also like you know drinkers as well yeah that's a good question in some ways it's a hard answer in some ways it's an easy answer there's a lot of of places but the main one is on running a good business without running a good business you can't make the beer you want you can't um you can't afford anything and so we we do more than anything else we do um business oversight business management business financials that's where our focus is right now and it's not because we're worried about making profits we are but it's because by making our business better we can make the beer better we can make the experience better we can pay our people more we can pay ourselves more there's just such a dearth of actual business acumen in our industry and that's natural in manufacturing you're good at making beer you open a brewery you do it yeah Um, but being able to run a good brewery that is efficient and profitable and doesn't mean cut corners it means do things in the most efficient way, you're going to be able to make better beer. You're going to be able to have better people and you're going to run a better, uh, a better brewery. So I, I really hope that that becomes kind of a, uh, you can't make it in most industries without really good business acumen and ours you can, right. but it's a lot easier and a lot better if you, if you have some experience. And I thought I knew I was a business major in undergrad. I'm a licensed attorney. Uh, I have a lot of education there's nothing like on the job education of actually running a business. It just, that's the only way to get the experience you need. I dig it. Um, thanks for sitting down with me. Thanks for, thanks for the beers and for the, you know, the 
great conversation in a really cool setting. Um, Thanks for a I, really I good excuse here. to drink beer and, and chat for a while. <laughs> you can read more about what Scott and Alua is up to with climbing kites these days by going to probrewer.com. All About Beer has a partnership with them for original content, and there are some articles that you can read about brewing with THC and CBD and this new frontier. So go check out probrewer.com. If you need to reach me, you can get in touch with questions, comments, guest suggestions, or anything else that's on your mind. You can email me. It's John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com. Don't forget, go to allaboutbeer.com. You can check out the podcast page, our shop page, which has brand new This Week in Rauk Beer merch. You can now get a hat on This Week in Rauk Beer on our merch page on allaboutbeer.com. That's also the site where you can read great new content as well as our archives going back to 1979. Follow All About Beer on social media at All About Beer. And if you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, and I hope you are, because why wouldn't you be? Uh, you can email us at info at allaboutbeer.com for advertising info, or simply go to patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. Speaking of that, here's a quick word from this episode's sponsor. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash drinkbeer. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash drinkbeer to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash drinkbeer. I know you haven't forgotten, but All About Beer has a podcast channel. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. As for this show, Mitch Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.